So here's our first line if you're taking notes this morning. When the church steps out on the mission of God, the church is empowered by the Spirit of God. That's what we see in the book of Acts when the church is on the move. Remember Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Jesus says, here's the promise. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and to the ends of the earth. There's the promise. You get on my mission, I empower you by my spirit. There's a wonderful example of this in in Acts chapter 4, where the church is under persecution. Peter and John have actually been arrested for preaching the gospel. The Sanhedrin has warned them to shut up at the threat of their life. But they release them and they go back to the church. Watch the church's reaction in Acts chapter 4, verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. So they find out this bad report. The church is exploding. The Sanhedrin wants to squelch it. And so their first reaction is to pray to God. They pray to this sovereign God. They say, God, we know behind the scenes you are even in charge of the crucifixion of Jesus. If you orchestrated that, you can orchestrate this. And then look at verse 29, what they prayed for. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Now, think, think just for a second. If my life is threatened for preaching the gospel, if evangelism is outlawed, what are you going to pray about? I, I don't know about you guys, but I think I'm probably going to pray, Lord, protect me. They did not ask God to protect them. They asked God to empower them, and he does that. Look at verse 30. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And look at God's response. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I hope you see the connection. Bold speaking, filling of the Holy Spirit. And we begin to see the church in the midst of persecution just exploding. Now we read these kind of stories and we go, you know what? I'd love to experience that. I'd love to be in a place where the building actually shook when we prayed, where things changed, where God gave me the boldness to stand out and speak his word anywhere. Here's the question for us today. Do we have that kind of power? Here's another way to frame it. Is the Holy Spirit for me? You see, for many of us, I think Francis Chan gets it right in his book that the Holy Spirit is the forgotten God. Sometimes we, we, we talk a lot about the Father, we talk a lot about the Son, but the Holy Spirit's this mysterious part of God we don't quite get, we're not quite sure for us, we're not quite sure how powerful it is or what form it is. It's almost like a, a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, I was in Huntsville with my, my five-year-old grandson, Taze, and, and Lila Bell, and I was taking them to school. And uh, we got uh, to their school early, so Grandbuddy had time to go buy them some donut holes, that's what grandfathers buy, Right? And some chocolate milk. And so we're now on our way to school. And all of a sudden I hear Tay say, Grandbuddy, this chocolate milk is nothing but cold hot chocolate. <laughs> Taze, what did you expect it to be, man? I mean, it's just, it's sometimes we think God, the Spirit is just this little bitty different form. My friends, the Spirit is every much a person, is the Father and the Son. 
And, and here's what I've been doing over the last few weeks. I've just been reading through the book of Acts and underlining every time it talked about the Spirit of God. It's amazing. I look back years ago when I used to read the book of Acts and I would not even notice those words. They are everywhere. And there's two words that really stand out to me. There's three words I want you to remember from this message, okay? I'm going to give you a lot of information, but these three words hang everything on. The first word is the word pour. We see that all over the book of Acts. The second word is the word fill. And the third word comes from the mouth of Jesus, which is flow. So say that with me. Pour, fill, flow. Let's start with pour. You know, the prophets had prophesied for hundreds of years. Listen to Isaiah chapter 44. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessings on your descendants. We saw over in Acts chapter 2 that Jesus says, we're exalted to the right hand of God. Peter says he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. Let's hear the word. Who he has poured out on what you now see and hear. And then you go, okay, well, that's cool. But that was just for them. That was just for the apostles. That was just for people who lived in the first century. That's not what the prophet Joel said or Peter said when he quoted him in Acts 2 verse 17. Listen. In the last days, that's the age, the Christian age we live in. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on what? Does that include you? All, you guys are really asleep this morning. We cut the line. Does that include you? All people. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Now, the key word here is the word poor. Now, what that indicates is that God is not chintzy in giving his spirit. You know, we, we, if we're outside and, you know, it starts raining, we might say, well, it's sprinkling. or it's raining outside. But if it's really raining, we say, it's pouring rain. And so God wants us to know that when he gives the Holy Spirit, my goodness, guys, he pours and he pours generously till it overflows. That's what he wants in your life. And he pours it in a container. And here's the cool thing for you and I. We're the container. We are now the temple. We're the place. We're the abiding place of the Holy Spirit. And so he pours it lavishly in his life. And here's the deal. Please remember this. It's not just for a few missionaries or really spiritual people or leaders in the church. It is for every one of us. That's the first word. The second word, all through Acts, is the word fill. We saw it back in Acts 4.31 in our story. They wanted boldness. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were given boldness to speak the Word of God. It, it seems like in particular places, God fills people for a moment. I've experienced that a few times in my life. I can remember a message I had to deliver early on in my tenure here when everything was going crazy and I needed to respond. And, and I, I can tell you that day, it was not me. God poured the Holy Spirit in me. I think of just a few weeks trying to grieve a mother who had lost her teenage son. And she asked me a question that I think, I don't know how in the world I'll answer this. And God gave me the words right there. You've experienced that. And it's evident in people. I mean, if we go through the book of Acts, Acts chapter 6, what we call the first deacons, one of their qualifications that we hardly ever mention, unfortunately, is that they are to be filled with the Spirit. Acts chapter 7, 
when Stephen's about to be stoned, he is filled with the Spirit. Acts chapter 11, there's that great encourager Barnabas. You knew it. He was filled with the Spirit. Acts chapter 13, all the disciples there were filled with the Spirit. Now, now here's, here's what becomes clear to me. It is obvious when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. If God says, okay, I want you to go pick these people, and one of the qualifications is they're, they're, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, there's obviously something about them that you notice that distinguishes them from other people. And so the Holy Spirit is obvious. You know when someone is Spirit-filled. Now, to help us understand this, to me, the, the strongest verse in the New Testament to understand the filling of the Holy Spirit is Ephesians 5.18. Listen to what Paul says there. Do not be drunk with wine, which will ruin you, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, first of all, isn't that a pretty crazy comparison? Fill with wine, fill with the Spirit. But even beyond that, there's the first question we got to ask. If everybody has the Holy Spirit, and that's what the reading we heard from Jeremy a few moments ago said, if If you've got the Spirit of God, you're a Christian. If you don't have the the Spirit of God, you're not a Christian. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit. Why in the world do we have this commandment to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And, and, And the commandment here is really interesting. It's literally keep on being filled. Now, what's interesting about this even beyond that is that we're commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but the Greek says it's God who does the filling. So, so what it's saying there is, is that, yes, I've got to walk with God, and when I do, God continually is willing to fill me. So think about the, the wild contrast and similarities. Drunk with wine, filled with the Spirit. First of all, the, the contrast, he says, when you get drunk with wine, it can ruin your life. We've all witnessed that, haven't we? We've seen families and people destroyed because they couldn't get alcohol under control. On the other hand, he says, you can be filled with the Spirit, and if you keep reading, which will lead to praise, thanksgiving, and mutual submission. But think also of the way these complement themselves. You ever seen someone drunk? I mean, it's obvious. I mean, you, you pick out, man, I... Maybe this guy's drunk over here. I mean, he's doing crazy, weird things. You know. That's what Paul is saying is it's just as obvious when someone is filled with the Spirit. And just as someone drunk, is, 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 it's a sad sight. Someone drunk on the Spirit is a beautiful sight. And so we have these contrasts. It's evident and, and here's really what the word filled means here. If you want to write this definition there, it simply means to be controlled by. We, we talk about when someone's arrested for a DUI, they're driving under the influence. My friends, what God wants you to do is you to be identified that you are living under the influence of the Holy Spirit. It's pretty interesting to me that we even have reclaimed the word recently in our culture, the word spirits, to describe alcohol. So there's a contrast. But if someone's going to, let's say this, if someone's going to remain drunk, what do they have to do? They have to keep on drinking. If someone's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, they've got to keep on drinking the Spirit. Reminds me of this dude that would go to the church revival every week, 
Every, every year they had two revivals in this church, and, and he would go every time. He never went to church any other time, but he'd, he'd show up for revival. And he'd walk forward every time, and, and he'd walk forward real dramatically, and he'd sit in the front row, and he'd raise his hands. He'd say, fill me, Lord, fill me, Lord, fill me. One member finally got their fill of it, and so the last time he starts going, fill me, Lord, he screams out from the back, Lord, be careful, he leaks. Guys, the truth is, we all leak. And so there are those moments where God has to come in my life. Something's going on, I need the right words. My life's become dry. I've not been constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. And so he comes in and he fills me again. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So we got to be filled. Now the third word is the word flow. And this word comes out of the mouth of Jesus. And to me, this is the most important of our three. Because spiritual maturity would, would be not being with the Spirit and out of the Spirit, with the Spirit. Spiritual maturity would be, and I love this term, you understand it, when you're in the flow. And it just, it just keeps on flowing through you. Listen to what Jesus said about this. John chapter 7, he's at a big feast. On the last and greatest day of the festival... Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Any of you thirsty today? You feel like life's a little dry? Feel like you don't have great meaning? Certainly don't feel like you've got power to live this life out? Jesus says, Whoever believes in me, as scriptures have said, Oh, don't you love this? Rivers of living water will flow from within them. How does it come from within them? Then he explains. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him would later receive. That's what we saw in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was poured on all mankind. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now, that's a little confusing. Because you see in the Old Testament moments when people had the Spirit. But here's what you've got to understand. Those were just moments. What we have with Jesus is the constant feeling of the Spirit. He, he, he sets up his temple, not in a building, but within us. So let's get practical. How do I stay in the flow of the Holy Spirit? How do we do that? We're going to use this acrostic with the word flow. Man, I hope you'll learn these things because these are so important. First of all, you've got to be open to the Spirit. Okay? You saw that fountain. I love the, the picture of a fountain. The fountain just keeps on flowing, right? That's what we're trying to get at. How do you get there? First of all, you just got to be open to it. See, here's what the Bible says. There are some people, it's identifiable, they are filled with the Holy Spirit. There are other people who, the book of Acts says, they resist the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul says, you can act in such a terrible way that you actually quench, put out the Spirit's fire in your life. So we've got something to do with this. It's a cooperative step. But first of all, I just got to be open to it. You know, many of us grew, grew up with not a very healthy view of the Holy Spirit. Many of us were actually told that the Holy Spirit doesn't live in us any longer. That, that, all, that we just have the Word of God, that's powerful, but we don't have the Holy Spirit in us. And I used to say, well, you know, it doesn't matter what you think about that. It's just, you know, just doctrinal, my goodness, that's so wrong. It does matter. Because like we've been saying for the last weeks, God is not a bully. And if you're resisting the Holy Spirit, if you don't think the Holy Spirit works, why would he? 
And so what happens with some of us is, you know, God wants to pour His Spirit in us, but I resist it. I block it. And God's Spirit can't fill me. So how do you stay in this, this flow? It's by following the Spirit's lead. Now, how do you follow the Spirit's lead? First of all, it's pretty simple. You do pay attention to the Word of God. The Word of God is called the sword of the Spirit. Listen to me. Why would God's Spirit want to lead you, speak to you, nudge you, if you're, first of all, not listening to what he said in black and white, okay? You know, a lot of people get really scared when we start talking about the Holy Spirit. Buddy, what are you getting off into? What's going to happen? Listen to me. Listen. There's nothing to be fearful of. People to be fearful is not to have it. You see, if, if, if anybody tells you, or if you think a spirit tells you to do something that contradicts the sword of the spirit, you know it's not from the Holy Spirit. If you come to me, and I've had this happen before, and you tell me, buddy, I'm living with my girlfriend, and the Holy Spirit told me it's okay for us to sleep together, I'm telling you, I know the Holy Spirit didn't tell you that. If all of a sudden you go, you know what, I know, you know, it's just what I do on Friday nights. I just go out and get drunk, and, and God's revealed to me that's okay for me. No, he didn't. He is not going to contradict his word. So first of all, my life's got to be in line with his word. You see, when I think about following in the Spirit's lead, I think about what Paul says is staying in step with the Spirit. Isn't that a great picture? You stay in step with the Spirit. What, what I think about is those, you, you seen those moving sidewalks in big airports? I mean, you know, you can, you can either use all your energy to walk down or you can get on one of those conveyor belt kind of side, sideways and you can get on there and you step and it steps. And what does it do? It speeds you up and it empowers you as you go. You can go much faster. And guys, that's our choice is are we going to stay in step with the Holy Spirit? Now, what really bothers me, drives me crazy is when you get on one of those moving sidewalks, and somebody just stops and stands there. <laughs> you ever been frustrated? Just want to push somebody? Thank goodness there's TSA agents before I get there, right? Because you think, what are you doing? Just get off this thing. We're wanting to move faster. That's why we've chosen this. And guys, you've got to hear. Here's, here's what Paul's saying to us. is You've got to stay in step with the Holy Spirit. If you're walking the opposite way or you're standing still and you're not listening to what he says, why is he going to feel you? So first of all, we begin, ooh, that could be dangerous, buddy. My wife just got scared. Okay, now, <laughs> other ways. I, I've got to, to listen to the nudges and the voice of the Holy Spirit. You know, you, know, you know when God sort of says, you need to call this person? You ever done that? You, you need to go to this place? And, and sometimes you say no when you need to say yes. When, when God convicts you that, yes, this is your time to step out and do something that would make you uncomfortable... If God challenges you and convicts you with his word, you got that moment where you got to go, okay, am I going to stay in step with the spirit? Am I going to follow the spirit's lead? Second point here, third point, is I'm in worship in the spirit. I got to be open to the spirit. I've got to follow the spirit's lead. And I got to worship in the spirit. John 4, verse 24, Jesus says to this woman in Samaria, it's not about the place anymore because you are the place. The temple of God's not in a building. The temple of God's in you. So you are to worship in spirit and truth. That's not two different ideas. It's the same idea. It's that I worship in the power 
of the Holy Spirit knowing the truth about Jesus. And so just like in Acts chapter 4, when that place was moved and shaken, I think you can know when you're worshiping the Spirit. I used to get really uncomfortable when someone would go to the lobby and say to me, buddy, I really love the service today. You could feel the Holy Spirit. I was like, oh, how do you know that? Oh, I believe that. Man, I'm thinking about the two prayer meeting nights we had a couple weeks ago. That may be the most spirit-filled worship I've ever experienced in this church. It was amazing. So you begin to worship in the Spirit. The Bible even says you pray in the Spirit. I've had a hard time through the years trying to get a handle on that. There's a couple of ideas there that pray in the Spirit is to pray in the power of the Spirit. Uh, Another idea is to pray with the help of the Spirit. That's promised in Romans chapter 8. I read something this week really convicted me. You know where it says to pray in the Spirit? It's in the middle of Ephesians 6 where he's describing the armor of God. And this commentator believed that to pray in the Spirit was to pray a warfare prayer. It's when you are moving to reclaim enemy territory for the Lord. That that's the moment you pray in the Spirit and God empowers you So hopefully before you leave here today, we're going to pray in the Spirit. We're worshiping in the Spirit. We're about to take communion in the Spirit. We're going to do that in just a moment. I want to read from a book called Poured Out by Leonard Allen. He says this, and I've been praying we're going to go to tables, and let's, um, let's enjoy that time together. The Lord's Supper, he says, is situated in the midst of a gathered worship. It is a feast of forgiveness and reconciliation. It is a celebration of God's forgiveness of those who were once God's enemies, but also a communion with one another, which calls for facing up to the reality of strain and fractured relationship. In other words, we don't gather around these tables if things are wrong between us. We first go get them right. He says it's not a devotional exercise for private, isolated individuals, but rather a time for experiencing the fellowship of the Holy Spirit in a concrete way. How did constantly by the world's vision of success and power, we were confronted around Christ's table with a contrary vision, the way of weakness and the power of reconciling love. Week by week, that vision takes hold of us. Week by week, we gather around the table. We are fashioned by God into a cruciform people. What's that mean? A cross-shaped people becomes our lifestyle. There we gradually find ourselves open to ways of living in this world that we had not considered possible. So this morning, as you take communion, as we worship together, let's worship in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this moment we get to where we can worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, as we gather around this table, we remember the price that was paid by the body and blood of Jesus So that not only we'd be saved, that's awesome, but even further that we'd have the Holy Spirit. And so today as we come together in the name of Jesus and as we worship in the Spirit and pray in the Spirit and commune in the Spirit, God, we know that this is a communal event, not meant for me just to spend by myself, but meant for us to spend together, not just with the people around us, but with the indwelling Spirit. So bless this time. May we open ourselves up right now to the Holy Spirit. 
I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's make one more point. The last thing we've got to do to stay in flow with the Spirit is we've got to leave the house. You say, what, what in the world does that mean? It means that we've got to get out of this building, out of our homes, on a mission for God. See, in, in, the, in the day that we live, we feel like we can, we can do church all by ourselves in our home. You know, I could live stream with the church. I could listen to podcasts that are incredible. I could have the, the, the worship music on my iPhone. I don't have to get out of my house to be spiritual. We don't have to get out of this building so, so much it's centered around here. But the truth is, Jesus' ministry is incarnational. What does that mean? It means it's to go out and be with people. It doesn't happen over a, a message. It happens face-to-face. And so the promise of our lesson today is that when we move out of our house, that's when God empowers us. So my challenge to you is to, to leave this church house and speak boldly, make friends, go into your neighborhood, bring $100,000 on Mission Sunday. <laughs> Amen? Volunteer at schools. Weep over broken people. Receive messed up people without judgment. Let's go help clean up and rebuild Wetumpka. Let's go to work and love people that are unlovable. Get your hands dirty and your body tired and experience the feeling of the Spirit. See, here's the point, guys. Let's make it personal now. We started with church, but let's make it personal. When I step out on the mission of God, I am empowered by the Spirit of God. And that's what we're talking about, being in the flow. You know what that means. If you're a good athlete, maybe you you were in the flow one night and you could not miss any shot you put up, no matter how contested it was. Or you're at your business and you're working, you got a to-do list, and one day, man, you're in the flow and you're just marking it off. Or in your family, for once, everything seems to be peace and everybody's cooperating, everybody's loving each other, and you're in the flow. See, what God wants for you and I is He wants us to be in the flow of the Holy Spirit. And so I ask you today, where are you? There there are many of you today, I guarantee that you are just, you're absolutely full. The Holy Spirit's just pouring all out of you. It's evident. We know who spirit-filled people are. There's some of us today who, you know, we're at a low point, and we may have even done some things to quench or even resist the Holy Spirit, and, and we just need a fresh feeling of the Holy Spirit. Or there's others of us that we've just never even opened ourselves up to the work of the Holy Spirit. It's been that forgotten God for us, and today maybe you need us to pray that you can be open to the Spirit and God can pour into you. You see, my friends, when we follow Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, God begins just to flow. But see, here's the deal. You've got to stay in step with the Spirit. If you step out from staying in step with the Spirit, no wonder the Spirit's not flowing through you. Oh, it's all God and His power. He's the one who will fill you, but you've got to walk with Him. He's not a bully. And so today, if you make the choice to walk with God and to live in the flow and the power of the Holy Spirit that's available to each one of us, why don't you come right now while we stand together and sing?